Oh, I love the turtles. Don't you love turtles? They're so cute, and yet they're so steady, right? Well, hey, we got a lot going on in God's church, and hopefully you got that from Jeremy uh, just a moment ago. So don't miss that stuff. And he only mentioned, I think, three things that are going on. There's like seven other things that are going on. And you know how it is that things got deadlines, and you need to sign up. So uh, be sure you read that bulletin or scan that bulletin. So I was sick last week, and this series was supposed to start then, so my apologies, but I want to thank and give a shout out to uh, Alan Seibel for stepping in at the last minutes. We are blessed as a church to have multiple people on staff that can prepare messages and, and do a good job delivering God's word, so uh, super appreciative of that. And also, I just want to mention that estate planning uh, tomorrow night, you can actually uh, walk out of there with the opportunity to get a living trust. Um, if you went to an attorney here in town and said, hey, I want to set up a, a trust for my family and get my affairs in order, usually they'll charge you somewhere between $2,500 $3,500 to do that. If you come to the seminar tomorrow night and you get an education on what it's about, what they're doing, uh, they'll actually do that for you for free. Um, so, man, great, great opportunities. Free meal and free childcare. And you know what that means to married people? Date night. Okay? Date night on the church, right? I mean, where else can you get that? So, no, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be really good. We are starting a new series today called Don't Give Up. Don't Give Up. As a pastor, there are many times where people will come to me. Um, I think sometimes people like to call it counseling. I don't call it counseling so much because um, I just don't feel like a counselor. I, I call it more like biblical advisement, um, an advisory of biblical things. And, and But a lot of times I get the privilege and the opportunity to help people when they come to me. A lot of times they're coming to me from a place where they're struggling. Uh, maybe they've, they've gotten a health scare or maybe they've gotten some bad news about a family member. Maybe it's something with their job. Sometimes it's something with their, their finances. Sometimes they've gotten themselves in a bit of trouble. Sometimes it might involve the law. Sometimes it might just be a sin problem they just can't seem to get over. Sometimes they're just in relationship situations that are just uncomfortable or they're, they're heading down a path that's just, just not good. Or they're, they're just simply at that place. Have you ever been at that place in life where there's, you're just, you feel like you're at a crossroads? And you're like, I could go this way or I could go this way. And I'm not sure which way I should go. A, a lot of these, these times I meet with people, it's kind of like, what is God's will, right? What is God's will for my future? And am I doing the, doing the right thing and... There are a lot of times where I think as pastors, when we have people come to us, we always seem to attack life's problems and issues from this place of offering God's peace and comfort. Almost always. And that's appropriate because sometimes people go through some really, really hard things. And sometimes people need the peace of God that transcends understanding that will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's an appropriate time and an appropriate place where we offer comfort to one another. But there's also been times where as a pastor where I think I take this gentle approach, and in, in other pastors, we take this gentle approach like the Mr. Rogers approach when people bring us their problems, when they bring us their issues, when they're going through things in their life. And, you know, it makes us all feel good. We all love Mr. Rogers, right? I mean, cardigan sweater and won't you be my neighbor and flip the shoe as I take it off, you know, it's, but sometimes I think instead of Mr. Rogers, what we need more than that is we need somebody with like 
their face painted and all gnarly and, you know, kind of like picture Braveheart with me, okay? Braveheart. We need someone like that to be like, hey, don't give up. Take the hill. You know, it's like charge. It's like don't retreat. It's like don't stay and just, just, just offering comfort and thinking life is going to be easy because life's not going to be easy. I mean, Jesus promised us pretty much. He said, hey, in this world you will have trouble. Are you guys in this world? Anybody having trouble? Anybody trouble? Trouble people? Anybody going through some? Okay. We've got 10 honest people in the church. Come on now. There's got to be at least 15 of you that have trouble. Come on. Help some of the rest of us out, right? But I think sometimes that we need to be encouraged, and that's what this series is about. Don't give up. We're going to be going through two chapters in the book of Hebrews, and that, that's kind of in the back of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at several different parts of Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and 12 over the next several weeks. Because it doesn't matter what you're going through if you feel like you're, you've got a haunting something that happened in your past. If your current circumstances are out of whack. If you're going through a financial something, a future something, a job something, a relationship something, or a health something. If you feel challenged, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel discouraged, or maybe you just feel like, man, I just feel lost right now. I just, I just... I just feel like I don't know what the next step is. I don't, I don't know what to do. We're going to read about some saints here in Scripture that went through some hard circumstances. And they're, they're going to beckon to us from their experiences. Hey, trust God. When you feel like bailing out and mailing it in, don't quit. Keep fighting. Run the race. Don't just run it as one that's just like, oh, I ran a race. No, finish the race that you've started. And I know life's hard and it can make you tired and it can beat you up and it can throw you around. But when you feel like packing it in, don't give up. And that's why I love the, uh, the turtle imagery for the series. Those turtles, they're like steady eddies, right? Those turtles, and isn't it amazing, I mean, as, I, as you see them on the road sometimes, isn't it amazing how they don't just shell it in? I mean, I'm like, you have this shell, dude, right? I mean, just go in the shell. And sometimes they do, and sometimes that's necessary to go in the shell. But so many times I see them out, and they're moving, and they're steady. And they will make it across the highway if you don't run them over. Okay? They, they might actually make it all the way across. But I just love the steadiness, and I love that that even though it's slow and that sometimes it's hard for a turtle to get from point A to point B, it seems like, man, they've got endurance. They've got some perseverance. They've got some courage. They don't give up. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we're going to begin today is in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And this is going to kind of be our home base for the series. You're going to hear a lot out of these three verses as we go through this series. And as always, you're welcome to follow along on your phone. If you brought a, an iPad, a tablet, um, just, just bring up the Oakwood app. And if you go to sermon notes, all of the scriptures and all the notes are there for, for what you want to do. But we want you to engage the word of God this morning. Allow God to speak to you, and he's going to right now. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, begins by saying this. Therefore, and what's the rule? Anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you have to think about what it's Therefore, and usually it's talking about what? What was just written before it. So, therefore, in lieu of Hebrews chapter 11, 
which some of you know who know your Bible, you know Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame. Okay? It's all these people who are faithful to God. It's like a hall of fame. Woo, high five. Look at these people. Look at what God did through them. Look how they trusted God. Look how they finished their race. Look how they kept their faith. And so, therefore, because of the Faith Hall of Fame and all these people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of these witnesses, I love the word cloud there, it means a large, dense multitude. So because there's this plethora of Christians, this, this cloud of witnesses, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up. I want to uh, offer you this this morning. The first thing we need to do is we need to listen to the crowd. Now, Mom always told you, don't do what the crowd says, right? Don't go with the crowd. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're with the right crowd, you should listen to the crowd. And that's really what he's saying here in, in verse 1, is that we, need, as we ha- are surrounded by this great cloud or this great, this great crowd, this multitude of witnesses. And we need to listen to their stories and we need to be encouraged by them. And we are going to actually today learn about a couple of characters from Hebrews chapter 11 from this Faith Hall of Fame. In fact, let's just go there. Uh, let's talk about it. And, and if you want to, if you're in your Bible, just turn back maybe a page there or maybe just look back a section. But Hebrews chapter 11, well, let's look at verse 8. And we're going to be introduced to this, this man whose name is Abraham. He was actually known as Abram at first and then they... They figured out he was kind of funny, so they added ham later. He was a ham. Pastor joke. Come on, help me out now. I had a week off, okay? It's shaking the rust off here. So, But Abram becomes Abraham. He becomes this man of faith. How many of you grew up in the church as kids, small, small children? Okay, several of you. You remember singing uh, songs in children's church about Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Father Abraham had many sons. You know, and you go through the whole thing. Yeah. This guy, that, that same guy that we're talking about, going all the way back to the book of Genesis. And this is what it says in verse 8. By faith, by the way, that by faith is a lot in this chapter. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Well, that's good obeyed and went. Huh, that's that's good. You should do that when God tells you to. Even though he did not know where he was going. Whoa. Now that. (laughs) He obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. We're Americans here. We have GPS. (laughs) I don't know that we're ever going to where we don't know where we're going, right? Because if you don't know where you're going and you're starting to go there, she just says, recalculating. Re-recalculating. But no, they didn't have GPS back 
in, in this time. So interesting. And then verse 9, by faith, again, it's, it says by faith in verse 8, by faith in verse 9, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his, his offspring, his heirs, who were heirs with him to the same promise. Abraham, a man of faith. Abraham. Now, friends, it takes a lot of faith to do what Abraham did. And even for us today, I think it takes a lot of faith to follow God to a place that you've never been before. Now, in our minds right now, I know what we're thinking. We're thinking, oh, to a physical place, like to a land, to a region, to a city, to a country, to a state. Some of you that are in the Air Force, you experience this often. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're going to this, wow, here we go. We're going to Vance Air Force Base in Enid, Enid, how do they pronounce that? Enid, Oklahoma. It's like dine, spelled backwards, so there must be a lot of food there. But um, Enid, we're going to Enid, Oklahoma, Vance Air Force Base, and then they drop your orders, and now you're going to Timbuktu, and you're going to fly this plane or do this job, and following God to a place you've never been, and being a person of faith, without knowing every detail, without knowing how it's going to work out, and for some of you, that's the situation you find yourself in right now, right? You don't really know. Don't know what the next step is. Don't, don't know what the next season looks like for you. And, and, and in your heart, you love God, and you're like, I'm trying to be obedient to God. I'm trying to do the next right thing. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, all my indicators, all my gauges I'm looking at say, hey, pretty sure I'm moving in God's direction and in the right direction, but I'm just not sure. Now, I do feel like he's leading me. And sometimes he's leading me to do things, honestly, just make me uncomfortable. I don't really want to do them. And sometimes he's leading me to things that I, I mean, I'll just be 100% honest. I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. I'm not going to talk to that person, share my faith, serve in that ministry. I, yeah. But, but, but for the most part, I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at. You know, me and Jesus not sure where he, all the way where he's leading, not sure. God hasn't shown me that yet, but this, but isn't that the opportunity for faith? Isn't that a point at which in our life where our faith has to kick in? And isn't that the point at which we choose to trust God? You see, the temptation for us is to slip back into what is known and back into what is comfortable. And here's the second thing I want us to understand this morning. Sometimes we need courage more than comfort. And I think somebody needs to hear that this morning. Sometimes we need courage more than comfort. But again, we go back to our mindsets. What do we really want? Comfort. We want ease. We want life to be easy. We want the future to be mapped out and be secure. We want ease. We want security. We like our comfort. In fact, sometimes churches do things with people and it makes them uncomfortable and bad things happen. I mean, people just get bent out of all sorts of things because they're not comfortable. We have always done it this way and now you are doing it this way. And that makes me really uncomfortable. In fact, we get phone calls and emails and sometimes I cry out from people that are like, hey, what you just did made me really uncomfortable. You took my comfort. I don't like it. I just want to voice it. I want you to hear it from me. I don't like it. You've made me uncomfortable. But God is sometimes in the business of making us uncomfortable because it grows us in our faith and because sometimes we don't need comfort. We need courage. 
We need courage to trust God to take the next right step of faith. And comfort doesn't exercise faith. Comfort keeps us in neutral. Sometimes we need more than sympathy. We need strength. But sometimes it's nice to have sympathy. And sometimes we do need sympathy. And we need comfort. But there's times where it's like we need courage. And we need strength. Because sometimes, if we're honest, sympathy and comfort put us in neutral, doesn't move us forward, and doesn't challenge us to trust God. And what we're going to find out is characters like Abraham here didn't have comfort, but they had to have courage to look into the circumstances that were often unknown or to look into the circumstances that often looked bleak, didn't look good for what's ahead, and still choose to walk and trust with God, even when the roadblocks come. It's like the turtle. There are roadblocks for the turtle sometimes. But they find, they find a way. The story continues in Abraham's life, and it mentions his wife. And so if you go down just a few verses there in Hebrews chapter 11, we stopped at verse 9 there. Just skip down to verse 11. And notice what it says here. And notice how it starts once again. It says, and by faith, there's the faith word again, and by faith, even Sarah... This is Abraham's wife. Do you remember the rest of their story? Who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So do you know the story? They're old, they can't have any offspring. And yet God's told them they're going to have offspring because he's made them a promise of it. And, and they just can't figure out. And they're getting up there in years. And she chooses to trust God because he is faithful. Actually, when God told Sarah that she was going to uh, bear a child, it says that she laughed. <laughs> it's not good when you laugh in God's face. I don't think. It's a little dangerous. You know, it's like, hey, you're going to bear a child. I know you're like 100, but um, you're going to have a child. And she laughed. Because she was so old, it just didn't make sense. You know, sometimes God just doesn't make sense. His timing doesn't make sense. And Let's go on and read the next verse here in verse 12. And so from this one man, it's talking about Abraham, her husband. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead. Wow, that was, wow, okay. He was old, okay, he was really old. <laughs> so, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. It's going back to your father, Abraham, amen, you son. And it was, how did it start there in verse 11? It said, and by faith, it was by faith that we get the story of Sarah trusting God, being faithful to God, that he's going to provide everything that they need. Here's the challenge. The challenge is not to give up when you don't know what is going to happen or when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. We naturally fear the uncertain future. We like certainty. But if you think about it, you really have no idea what the future holds. You may have it all planned out. You may have it all specked out in your mind. And you may know, oh, yeah, this and this. If I do this and then, you know, at this age I'm going to re retire and do this. And I'm going to, you know, you think you know what tomorrow holds. You have no idea. Isn't it, I mean, to, to some degree, isn't the future always uncertain? The challenge is to not give up when you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to happen, but you know that God is faithful. Hmm? 
And you know God is the one that's going to get you through it all. You see these promises that that's talking about here in Hebrews chapter 11, they actually go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. That's where Abraham and Sarah's story is. And so I want to invite you to go back with me to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. If you're not familiar with Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it's called the Abrahamic Covenant. God makes a covenant. He makes a promise with Abraham. Now, here's the cool thing about God and covenants in the Bible. He always keeps his end of the bargain. God always keeps his promises. So God handpicks Abraham. He's still Abram at this time. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go into a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the nations on earth will be blessed through you. Now, you get a promise like that from God, you're like, man, this is legit. I'm going to have a country, a land, a people, but how how does it start? You need to leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go into this land that you don't know where you're going. And you don't know anything about it. And when you obey me and you take that step of faith, I'm going to make you into a people. I'm going to make you into a nation. And someday, through your lineage, all from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and Matthew, New Testament. You are going to get this lineage from you that's going to, what was the end of the promise? All the world would be blessed through you through a man named Jesus Christ. Wow. I don't know about you, that like gives me goosebumps. That all the way back in Genesis 12, God made a promise that he kept faithful. And if you read First and 2 Kings, if you're doing the, the daily uh, Bible reading and through the app with us uh, this year in the Bible app, the, the reading plan through the Bible, I mean, my goodness, we have made a mess of the lineage thing and, you know, you know unfaithful kings. I mean, how is God going to keep his promise when our sin constantly gets in the, in the way, when our unfaithfulness fa- constantly gets in the way? But he does because he's God and because he's faithful. And even when we don't know what exactly, and even when we don't know when, and even when we don't know how, God says, hey, trust me. Look unto me. And God made a covenant with Abraham, and God kept his word. And they had a son eventually, not through Hagar, Ishmael, but a son named Isaac through Abraham and Sarah. Even though they were very old in age, they had Isaac. Isaac. His name meaning is laughter. Fourth thing I think I want us to get this morning is that authentic faith is believing God is who he says he is and that he will do all he's promised to do. That is what authentic faith is. Believing God is who he says he is and that he will do all he's promised to do. Simpler form, let's just go with the biblical definition of faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain 
of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we do not see. Maybe write that down. Put it in your phone. Make that a dwelling place for you. Hey, I'm going to choose to trust God. Certain of what I hope for. Certain of what I cannot see. Those are the steps of faith. Are there any Winter Olympics people here? Anybody love Winter Olympics? Anybody? There's only like three of us. You gotta, I mean, curling is awesome. You know the little brushes? I mean, anyone, I'm thinking anybody can do curling. Like, Grandma could probably do curling because she's sweeping her kitchen all the time. I'm like, Grandma, why do they have those guys that are like buff doing the curling? I like, get Grandma out there, you know? I guess she might slip on the ice, but that would be bad. That would be bad. But uh, have you ever watched the Super G? Has anybody ever watched the Super G? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, for those of you that aren't Winter Olympics people because you live in Enid, Oklahoma, I'll explain it to you, okay? Super G is the fastest ski race on the planet. It's a downhill, okay? It comes from, you know, the, the slalom where there's the gates and they're going throughout the gates. And then there's the giant slalom, okay? You know the giant slalom? Again, they're going throughout the gates. It's a longer one with the giant slalom. And then there's the super G, okay? Now, what's interesting is with the slalom and the giant slalom, they can get on the mountain the day before. They can actually go through the course, and they can kind of, you know, they have a practice run or two. Now, there's some rules with it. They're not going to let the Germans have 12 runs, and the United States only have two. You know, it's, there's, I think maybe they get a practice run maybe two, couple days before the event. I mean, there's all these rules and parameters for it, but they get to practice. Here's the thing about the Super G. The Super G is the steepest, has the widest gate structure, and is the great gate structure, and is the hardest to do, but they get no practice run. Do you know how fast the fastest skier has been clocked on the Super G? 96 miles per hour. Can you imagine going to a ski course? Those of you that have skied, you know exactly what I mean. Because that one time you were in the greens and then the blues, and you got on the double black diamond. And you got to the top and you looked down and you thought, I thought this was blue. This is not blue. And there's like bumpy hole mogul things in the way. What am, what am I doing? And then you're like, okay, I need to go to the blue. And they're like, there's no other way to get down the mountain. <laughs> so just roll with it. Just roll down the mountain with your, just take your skis off and walk it. You know, just slide, slide on your bum down the mountain because it's, it's tough. But that kind of steepness, that kind of depth, and going throughout these gates. Now, here's what they allow them to do. They allow them to study the course. They give them coordinates of the course, and they allow them to walk the course. Okay? Sometimes they get injured in the walk. They do because it's so steep and they slip and fall. The guy pulled a groin, knocked out of the Olympics on the walk through to see, to just lay eyes on the Super G. But you don't get to get on your skis and do it until you're doing it for real. 96 miles per hour. And you know, they always hit those gates with their shoulder. And you know, it's an advantage if you go like six, seven, or eight on a team. Because one, two, or three go down the mountain and they radio back up to the top and say, hey man, gate 14, that one on the left, man, you gotta cut that, you gotta cut that closer. You're gonna have to really lean into that. I mean, you can get kind of coached, but other than that, man, it's coming at you. That's how life is sometimes, man. It's coming at you. You don't get a practice run at this thing. And it's flying at you, and you feel like, man, life is coming 96 miles per hour. 
This is a great description of what is happening with all of these saints in Hebrews chapter 11. Fast or slow, whether it goes right or it goes wrong, whether tempted to, to bail or quit on God, that same God gets each one of these faithful people through whatever they got to go through. Super G or slow G. And like Abraham and Sarah, I think they would say to us, hey, even though you don't completely know what the course is, I mean, you, I mean you've just kind of seen it, you kind of know it's coming, but you've never done it. And, and, and even though you don't under, completely understand where God is leading, but you kind of know what you're supposed to do, you kind of know the next right thing. And even though, even though you don't know everything, the when and the how and, and all those kind of things, don't lose faith. And when you hit a gate wrong, don't give up. Don't give up. There are many times our view of our circumstances changes when we trust in God's perspective. There are many times that our view of our circumstances changes when we trust in God's perspective. Why? Because God is sovereign over all. There's a story about a football coach. Great winning football coach. And he had this tradition that in the football game at halftime, he would go into the locker room and he would meet with the players. And, you know, you huddle them up, you give them the locker room talk. And then he would disappear. Head football coach, college football team would disappear. Where did he go? Well, they said that in the third quarter, he spent the third quarter oftentimes he would go up to the press box in the stadium and he would watch at least most of the third quarter from the press box. And people are like, why do you do this? He's like, we made our halftime adjustments, but sometimes to get into that fourth quarter and to finish well and to get ahead and to figure some things out, I need a different perspective. I only see it from the sideline. I'm not seeing it from the press box. And so he would make his way. He would actually leave the team, leave the coaches on the sideline, Go up to the press, he still had the headset on, go up to the press box and watch the game from the press box. Now, how many head coaches do that? Like zilch, right? I mean, I'm thinking they might get fired for something like that. That's pretty crazy stuff. But he said, I was doing it to gain perspective. And that perspective sometimes changed the game plan, changed what we were going to do, and sometimes gave us confidence. And we know what we're going to do here. We see. See, what we need to understand as Christians is we serve a press box God. He's up in the press box, and he has a different perspective of us, and he sees everything, and he knows everything, and even when we don't have all the answers, and even when we don't have it figured out, and even when we go through hard, hard, hard stuff, that God's up in the press box, and he's radioing down to us on the field, and when we huddle up with, with our other teammates, the great cloud of witnesses, they're saying, hey, God knows and he's faithful. Don't give up. I know it's hard. It's the fourth quarter. You're sweaty. You're tired. Can't catch your breath. Somebody just knocked you down. You didn't see it coming. Blindside block. You didn't see it coming. And you just want to sit on the bench now. No. God is faithful. He knows what's going on. You know what you need to do. Don't give up up. Abraham and Sarah, through the worldwide blessing of Jesus, aren't we glad that they trusted God and that they, they did not give up? Over the next several weeks, 
there's going to be a question of trust that comes forward for us. Who are we going to put our trust in? Who are we going to put our faith in? Because whether we realize it or not, there's a lot of times we put our faith in us. I put my faith in me and what I can see and what I can do and what I can control. And yet there's this bigger thing going on out there. And God says, you can't know what. You can't know when. And I know you don't know how. But I'm faithful. Trust me. And when you feel like bailing, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're beat up, yeah, I'll give you comfort when you need it. But there's other times where I'm going to give you a dose of courage for you to take that next step and keep moving forward in faith. Don't give 